All right, everybody, welcome back to the fifth episode of the Media Buyer's Manual. Uh, today, we are joined by my co-host, Adam, as well as Tony Christensen. He is our guest of honor today. Um, Tony, we'll throw it over to you real quick. Just give a little 30-second intro about yourself, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so uh, I'm Tony Christensen. I go by Tony Does Ads, um, specializing in a lot of e-commerce ads. I've worked at multiple different agencies along the way. Um, and I do kind of speaking, um, consulting and uh, work for an agency right now, and then kind of run my own kind of agency through what I call Tony Does Ads right now as well. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. I love the name. I love the short and sweet name. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just, it's to the point. And then when it, when people kind of, when it crosses their mind, like, well, who should we get for ads? They're like, oh, we should get this guy. So it yeah. definitely helps. <laughs> On uh, the building, like we have an office in downtown Toronto. And the whole wall is just painted and all it says is we run ads. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah that's, that should be my trademark. Straight Dang. to the point. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Exactly. You just need <laughs> one call to action, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I've been joining some of these, you know, now that we're all in basically self-quarantine, I've been joining a few like happy hour Zoom meetings and I won't know some of the people and I'll just be like, hey, I'm Tony. I do ads. And that's like my intro. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> That's how you really don't know. You're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, we kind of talked before and you wanted to kind of uh, go over a new kind of Facebook ad strategy that you've been working with. Uh, We're going to let you kind of take off and break it down and uh, we'll kind of pick your brain as we go, if that is okay with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a very kind of heavy emphasis on research. Um, And it's just something that I've sort of been doing a lot in my head and I finally figured out a way to like put it on paper um, and kind of build a worksheet around it. Um, but basically the idea to explain it is it's really helpful for when you're basically starting to work with a new client or um, even if you're getting into doing audits and you kind of want to do like a really deep dive um, or the other side of things, if you're making some sort of program and you want to figure out what's the sentiment, what are people thinking? Like if you're doing like a, let's say like an advertising membership site or something, I actually did like an analysis of it of that. So you can use it for different ways. Um, and it's kind of like reverse engineering based on reviews and things that people say online and feedback too. Um, so some of my, some of my like best performing campaigns I've ever had are from using methodologies that are similar to this, um, which is really cool. So basically if it's sort of like the e-commerce side that we're talking about, um, a good way to do it is basically for one, hopefully they have tons of reviews. It helps immensely, you know, if if it's a a company that has tons of different product reviews, so you kind of just dive into them and basically I have a different Excel sheet and I'll just pull it up so I can reference the different columns here. Um, so basically what you're doing is you're going through these reviews and yes, it is time consuming, but I promise you it's worth it in the end. Um, but you kind of go through these reviews and you look for different pain points that people might mention that, that the product solved for them in the review, as well as you're looking for the benefits that people say. So an example, I did this for like a water bottle company, right? And they had bottles that were, you know, made, they're made in the USA. They have like a, um, an ice uh, guard chug cap, they call it. So it blocks ice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really cool because instead of guessing what people love about your product and trying to sell it to them, it's basically stealing all of what they're already saying and leveraging that for your message and your, and your copy. And then likewise, you can use that for your, you know, your creative that you're making, you know, videos and images and different phrases you might want to put there you know, just leveraging the testimonials and reviews for copies always great, um, as well as then on the sales page too. So you kind of go through, you look for patterns, and I'm always like a big nerd when it comes to patterns, just look for what you can find. Um, 
So basically tally up all those different pain points that you see, and then you can basically get what's the number one pain point that people are referencing. What's the number one benefit that my product is referencing to, or this brand's product. And then you're basically leveraging that into now creating new creative and being able to know, Oh, if we're making a new video, we should definitely hit this point. If, if 80% of the people, or if like a large majority are saying this one major pain point, you'll just run with it and make that be the main hitting pain point. But if there's something else that, you know, there's a fairly good majority of people that are referencing it, mention that too. Um, or if it's something smaller, like that water bottle company, for example, we thought made in America. And that, now it's different because we're, we're, <laughs> we got the COVID going around. So made in the USA is probably a lot bigger. But for them, it was like 2% of people mentioned it. So it probably wasn't even something that was worth mentioning, you know, in our creative going forward. Um, so it's a really cool way to kind of leverage this sheet. And it, it, again, it is, it is time consuming. But basically with that, I categorize those different pain points. And then you can leverage the sheet to basically say, hey, let's grab all of our testimonials of people that mentioned whatever this pain point was or whatever the benefit was, and you can pop those up. Basically, it's just a Google sheet, you know, um, like all the good software apps that people joke about now <laughs> that they're made, you know. <laughs> so then you can just sort it by that, pull up all those testimonials and then leverage that. And you can even reach out to those people if you're, you know, pulling reviews from Amazon or wherever they're, they're from. And then if you want to leverage those people again in creative or whatever, you can kind of go from there. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a cool way to, to do it. And it is, it, like I said, it is time consuming because you're going through and you're reading a lot of the reviews. Obviously some aren't going to be um, as beneficial. And then there's another side of it. That's really cool too. I'm going to drink some water real quick. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> it's actually in. awesome so far. <laughs> yeah. So the other side of it, that's really cool too. And kind of what surprised me the more that I started doing this is you'll actually start to see people mentioning demographics and the use cases of like if they bought it for someone. Or you might see people say, like for the water bottle company, for example, I had people say, I want to buy another one to have in my fridge or to have at work or something. So you're starting to find these different ad angles that way too. That might not yeah. even be the main hitting points, but then you're finding different ways that you can angle it. Or someone saying, you know, um, my grandma's dehydrated, so she needs something like this and it has a hydration tracker. So they're loving it, right? So being able to leverage all of that in your copy, in your videos, and going forward. And then you might be able to find that other step is the demographics. So I, you just see, you've probably seen reviews where someone's like, you know, when I was younger, I did this and it, they just give their life story yeah. and you can leverage that. And you might be able to find, you know, I was doing an, another like blender bottle type company and it was a lot of people saying, you know, they were, they loved it cause they could bring it um, to work, you know, and use it at work or whatever. So you have the busy professionals, you have like people that are traveling. So you're starting to see more demographics that you can pull out too. Mm -hmm. which is really cool. And that's why like, I always tell people like get into the research if you can, because then like trying to come up with ad angles, it's like, here they are right here. Um, and yeah, of course you can still come up with your own kind of with current events and stuff that are happening. You can leverage yeah. those too. Um, but it's kind of a, a really cool way to kind of systematize it and pull them out doing it all on your own, which is, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're getting ad angles that are pretty much coming from the horse's mouth essentially, because yep. these are people that have paid for your product and these, this is value driven benefits and stuff like that. So like, yep. this is honestly really good info for a lot of people. So, uh, Adam, I know you had a question if you want to kind of tee it off right now. I, no, I was just going to say, um, are you, were you an affiliate marketer by chance? Like before, before running ads for e-com brand and stuff? Um, not really. I've signed up for different like affiliate programs, oh. um, but haven't really done them. I, I was wondering because uh, well, I guess it's more popular nowadays, but like people don't really talk about angles that much. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, I learned this, the method that you're talking about 
before I was a marketer, even like before I even ran mm. ads or anything like that, affiliate was kind of like my first forte into like online advertising. And I'm talking like way back. This is when like it wasn't popular to be an affiliate. Like it was nowhere near something cool. It was mm. like and dropshipping hadn't taken off yet. Like it wasn't a thing. And uh, this was one of the very first methods I learned. And I've been, wow. as you were talking <laughs> about it, I've been trying to remember the guy's name. I can picture him still. He has a mohawk. He always like, I can't remember huh. the life. <laughs> um, but this is like the most classic method that is still relevant today. And that's what's so cool about it. Like, and this yeah. is a perfect spin on it of like looking for reviews um, finding those angles and like actually using them as testimonials too, like yeah. even better yep. Yep. into make ad creative out of it, or you can write copy from literally straight through reviews. Yeah. And there's, there's like multiple levels to it too, which I, I like, like the more I use it now, the more I'm like, I'm just, this is like the rest of my life. I'm just going to use this sheet now because there's yeah. different angles you can take too, where then you can look at competitors too. And, and you can see, you know, what are the top pain points of our main competitors and does our problem solve those pain points that people have? Cause now, you know, your product is better than theirs in this regard and you can leverage that more too and target those people. Um, likewise too, when I was talking about kind of the membership site too, if you're building a membership site or even like a personal brand or course or any, any sort of thing related to that too, you can do that similarly where you can go and you can, you know, if you're doing it for Facebook, I just recently did this for Facebook ads cause I've been thinking about a membership site. Um, Go find the top advertisers that are talking, that have courses, that are speakers, all that kind of stuff. Read through their book reviews, read through, you know, their Facebook page reviews, what anyone's talking about their brand, right? What do they love? What do they hate? What do they wish the book mentioned but didn't? There's your course. There's your training. There's your membership. It's just like kind of gives me goosebumps to talk about because it's like you're just yeah. reverse engineering. All these people say they love this. You now know more people are going to love that. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, Obviously, it's that stuff that you see. Yeah, what do you do if the, you don't have any reviews? But I guess that's a good way of going about it. Go and look at all the competitors that do have reviews. Yeah. yeah. And the other, the other angle you can do too is just like kind of like surveys. So even like calling people, if you know like friends that might fall in that demographic, if you don't talking to people, I've done, I was selling um, yoga pants and leggings for a while and I just, you know, I'm connected with women online. So I just posted on, I'm, I posted on my Twitter, my Facebook. And I just said, these were like more expensive kind of premium yoga pants. So I said, why do you buy, premium yoga pants compared to other ones. And I got that different copy and I got like different pain points that people had. Um, and then I was lucky because a girl said something like, um, Oh, what did she say? I hate that yoga brands say one size fits all. And I heard that. I was like, that's my headline. And I ran with it. And I said, the headline was just, we all know one size doesn't fit all. And it was like, it was one of the best campaigns I've ever, <laughs> I've ever written. And it ended up, it, I, uh, we ended up not working with that client anymore. And then, um, found out like a few weeks later another agency totally stole that whole campaign and it just got syndicated like on 600 news stations and it was like oh that sucks but that's pretty cool i guess that i <laughs> i started this thing and someone else it, ran yeah. with it but exactly you point, know it worked <laughs> yeah, yeah and also in terms of like how you were doing the research and stuff like that with the reviews it's a great way for you to also differentiate yourself in unique positioning and yep. you're kind of differentiating your product and stuff like that from your competitors so that you can really yeah. pick your position within the marketplace and ram that home. Honestly, how do you find, um, do you make lists of the audiences from, uh, based off the testimonials they're coming from maybe like a fitness need and then a business need and stuff like that. And then do you, how do you go about testing those audiences as well? 
Yeah. So there's always kind of the, you know, now the shack stack, you got to run with that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I typically will do, you know, and it, it depends so greatly too, based on the client, um, how many products they might have, how many angles they have, if they already have audiences that are working and they might already know this is exactly my audience. It's working well. We know it's, it's working well organically. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of making what the different audiences are and then testing those different angles for them. So like my friend, um, he's selling like gourmet pretzels right now. And of course they're doing really well, which is awesome to hear. Um, but you know, you have like the, maybe the people that just like baking at home with their families, you have like the people that are interested in watching football on the weekends. So you kind of just find what those different avatars are. And usually most companies, you know, they don't have just one. It's like, it could be three to five or whatever, however many you want to end up testing. Um, and then just using whatever pain points. So yeah, if you're using that sheet, you'll see if they mentioned it in their demographic, you'll see what they liked about it and you can just pull that and run with it. Um, but then, yeah, you can just get into just testing and splitting it out. Um, so it's just different, you know, um, interest-based audiences. Um, or another way you can do it too, and I've, I've done this a few times too, is you're getting kind of that shack stack, but then doing an interest drill down into people that like football or whatever that um, audience is, yeah. have that lookalike audience too. Hmm. Damn. So when you're doing these, um, these kind of background checks on the reviews and stuff like that, what's kind of an approximate time frame that it takes yeah. you to run one of these? Because I know that's, <laughs> that's going to be question. one of the things yeah. that will be asked you in the future if you haven't already been asked it before. So, Yeah, uh, uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't timed it, which is like the interesting thing. Um, definitely, it, it, again, it, kind of, it can depend on, you know, if they don't have very many reviews, you're going to have to dig into competitors and then you're going to have, it's going to be not as clear. It's going to be more of a rough guess. Yeah. Um, if they do have a lot, it's just however much time it takes you for what I do. I just basically copy the review, paste it in a, in a um, Excel sheet. I click on another tab and then I write down that pain point or that benefit. I do a tally and then I write a, a letter A through Z sort of to categorize it, which then I put back on that testimonial. So however long that can take you, I mean, mm -hmm. a few hours, um, but it depends on, you know, do you want to go through a hundred? Do you want to go through, 50, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So it's kind of what you want to do. Um, and you know, you, the easy, like really quick, if you don't have much time, go to Amazon. If they have products there, they kind of give you their, you know, word bank of top use phrases. Yeah. You might just find them there. Um, those could be the things that they don't like either though. So proceed with caution there too. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it'll take a few hours for sure. <laughs> if not like a day, kind of depending on what you want to do. That's fair. But like all that time uh, sowed is going to be reaped later on with the results. So that's yeah. fair enough on that. Yeah. And, and that's what's, that's, what's great about it. Cause then when you're, when you're working with a creative team, like I don't, I don't do the creative on the most part, but when I'm working with the creative team or then when I then go and I look at the website and I might do like an, an audit of the website, I can say, Oh, you're not touching anything on why people actually love your product. You know, we need to rewrite these headlines or whatever we might need to do. So yeah, it's, it's just helping kind of make the whole process more seamless um, and kind of have less friction for a customer or, or, you know, that cold prospect that's then hearing about your brand, you know, it's mm -hmm. just kind of trying to speed that up a little bit more for them. So also when you're kind of doing your landers, uh, you're talking about um, pretty much conversion rate optimization, getting the right um, pain points on your landers and using reviews on your landers as well. Do you, um, what's kind of the basic layout of a lander that you find is ideal and also, like, I know, Adam, you have a lot of experience building landers. Um, what, do, what are your guys' goals as well just for that lander experience? 
Yeah, and a question that I have, I have too, Tony. Mm. Uh, not being, we don't focus much on on ecom. I mean, we do a little bit of it. Uh, but one thing that I that I kept seeing in the past, I don't really see it much anymore, is like a one product website or like a one a landing page dedicated to a single product or a full site around it. Um, and I wonder, have you tested those out? Like, have you done a one product site or a one product lander and does it work better or is it very? Yeah, I, I'm probably not the best for either of these <laughs> question answers, to be honest. Um, I'm definitely more of the ad side in the research. I usually work with web teams that are doing the website changes. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna be able to basically answer that in, you know, in a comfortable way, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I would say test it for most cases, though. Um, and then I know, I know a lot of people and I've heard just on Twitter, a lot of people are using I think it's called Shogun, which is kind of a lander um, for Shopify that you can make. Um, and then seeing if you can basically connect whatever your headline is to that lander, you know, that headline on that lander. So that obviously is going to work really well. But for the most part, what I've been doing is just sending them if, if it's a specific product, they're just hitting that product page. Um, and then making sure that's just optimized. So things like giving them an option to buy really quickly and not have like a million pop ups. Like yeah. it just drives me nuts. Sometimes when you see like so many different things pop up. So just trying to reduce all that friction, basically, and hone in on that. Um, making sure, you know, the product images are really nice and big. Um, looking at even, like, going to the homepage and looking how that's laid out. Making sure there's not, like, those automated sliders a lot of people use that can be really distracting, you know. But instead, just showing whatever your main selling product is or if there's a promo going on. Just have that be kind of that image at the top, you know, uh, with a stronger call to action to shop. Um, and then on that, on that product page, just giving as many details as you can. Good, high-quality images, you know. Um, and then from there kind of to check out making that whole process as seamless as possible. Um, but I'm luckily not the guy that does all that coding and <laughs> deals yeah, with all the yeah. CSS but and I stuff. <laughs> pop up on some sites, it bugs me so much too. They've got yeah. the spinning wheel that pops out. They've got the discount that comes <laughs> The down. chat too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've uh, got the chat on the bottom yeah. and then those little, like the social print ones are popping up in the other bottom corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone just bought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing that I see so much too is like, there's just too much going on a lot of the times. And it's like, have one pop up, maybe another one a little bit later, but don't like overlay so many things. Um, and that's where it just gets so like hectic. Um, yeah. Other things I see um, quite regularly now, I've kind of pivoted now, which has been really interesting. I was doing a lot more of the high end uh, spend e-commerce type stuff. Now I'm doing, I went to another agency to kind of help them with their advertising and start building up kind of that service. Mm -hmm. um, so, but they're a lot more local business um, and they do some e-commerce too, like that water bottle company I was talking about. Um, and that's just been a, a, a big change too. And a lot of those, I see very basic issues that people might have, like even just like hovering over a button, like make it do something. So people know mm -hmm. there, there is, a, it's a real button. Um, <laughs> another thing I like is I don't like when people just have an image that kind of blends in with the background, but instead if you can make it, I know Nike does like just a slightly gray color light gray color square of the image in it. So it just looks like a big button, things like yeah. that that you can do, you know? Um, and then too, just the feedback. So when you add it to a cart, show that you added it to a cart. Yeah. Um, I've just seen stuff like that where people click it and it doesn't do anything or it might just circle around and then disappear, or just still just show the add to cart. And you're like, I don't know what's going on or send them to the cart next, you know, and just make that really easy. Um, so that just- was always my favorite thing to do was like kick them straight to the cart. Yeah, um, yeah. They uh, click the button. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, just really going through and, you know, I think I'm really good at just having that first time buyer mindset. Like, what is this? They're really skeptical. And I think a lot of business owners, they really struggle with that, you know, and they want to like business owners that try to sell and they're just like, buy my product. Like, it's not how it works, you mm -hmm. know? So the more that you can get into that first time buyers mentality of what is this? Is it sketchy? And like, I need some social proof. Where's the reviews, you know, is it secure? Is it, you know, all that kind of stuff. You have to think about that and just make sure that, that friction isn't there or else mm -hmm. people just are going to leave, you know? In terms of uh, that friction, uh, you recently spoke of like making um, it easier for subscription-based businesses to kind of cancel. Um, what's your kind of methods of doing that? Is it just being as transparent as possible? Um, and also, um, how do you go about kind of working with some of those subscription-based businesses if you have in the past? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so... So one of the biggest subscription-based companies I worked with was uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company. If you guys have heard of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Dave Portnoy's unboxing. <laughs> yeah. Unboxing. Yeah, they're, they're like awesome to work with because they, they like just had just a crazy brand. I was like, I know what to write. It's, it's there. And I love those people. Like if you have a brand that either attracts or repels people and it's like, this is us, you know, blatantly yeah. us. It's so easy to write copy for. It's like, yeah, we know who the demographic is. We're going to hit it. It's great. Um, I've totally veered off away from the question, but yeah, for the, from, <laughs> from then, then we, we kind of started their subscription program with them. So it was more of let's sell upfront. Let's hit everyone that's already bought from them. Mm -hmm. And then let's kind of get them on that thought of you should subscribe. We'll give you 15% off and then kind of hit that. Don't run out of coffee. People like hate running out of coffee, especially on a Monday, like that pain point or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, but then just saying, you know, don't have, you don't have to worry about ordering coffee again. Um, the last agency I worked, I've jumped around agencies like too much in my life. Um, the last one I worked for too, they, they um, were majority owner of a coffee company too. And they were kind of doing the same thing where it's like they had that subscription and then um, they had the one times too. So then you could just run a campaign to those one time buyers. You know, we would split up the conversions for that. So we could target people that bought once and then show them a campaign to why they should subscribe. Um, and we might do little other things like get a free coffee mug, get a free grinder, whatever, if you do the subscription. Um, but then you're, no, you're, you're building up that lifetime value. Um, still didn't answer your question at all though. Um, but yeah, you just want to think about, I, I just, it, it came back to like dealing just with, with like horrible subscriptions and like having to call a number to cancel. Like, don't ever make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't make it complicated at all. Even like my banks, you know, I've been wanting to call them and it's just like, yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't want to call them, but they want, they make me call them, you know, yeah. um, instead of having like some sort of chat bot or something I can interact with, you know, a chat person that I can interact with wherever. Um, so just think about, again, the friction of that and what you can do to kind of eliminate that being able to make them cancel right away right now, if they want to just go on and log into their account and, and click cancel, you know? Um, and with that too, it just helps so much more. Like you have to think about that lifetime value um, and where I really, worked on this back in the day I was working at a, um, supplement company and we had, um, it was a dietary supplement and it had some kind of, um, medicinal benefits too, for people that had like inflammation and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so there were people that were taking it, but then a lot of the people were an older demographic and they would get other health problems. And then they would, you know, they would call in, um, cause they were older. So they would call in instead of yeah. logging into their account, you know, but they had the option, um, <laughs> but they would call in and say, you know, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm taking this medicine. My doctor doesn't want me on the supplement anymore. Oh yeah, no problem. You know? And I would just cancel it right away. And it, and it's just, 
it changes their mind where they're just like, oh, it's that easy. Like, you're not going to like force me to, <laughs> yeah. you know, in guilt trip me to cancel. I'm like, no, like, I understand. Like, it's not a problem at all. And like those people, after I said that, they were almost like apologizing afterwards. So yeah. they, were, they, they were like, wow, that they were super nice. And now I feel bad that I just canceled with like this great company. And the more that you could do that and just be that, that company, you know, same thing with agencies too. I just hear a lot of people that, you know, you, you might pitch your services and the business might not end up going with you. But if you're just nice, if you can give them some value, if you want to, then they might come back like a month later, three months later after they've been with whoever or brought it in house and it didn't work out. Um, so you just always want to think about that again, just being nice, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is 100%. a crazy thought, you know, um, and just making it easy for the customer. Exactly. Yeah, we, like we found that same thing at our agency too. And had, um, like we don't lock people. And one thing that people love is we don't lock you in to a contract. Like, yeah. Um, and I, I say it over calls all the time. And I'm like, if you don't want to be working with us, I'm not, I'm not going to force you. Like yeah. it's not like you have to stay another three months or if you don't like this contract, you're here for another two months. Like if you want to go then like, by all means, like I'm not, I'm not forcing you to work with me. It is. It's yeah. uh, like, I'm happy that we work together. You want to come back later? Great. That works. But like, yeah, there's not a, there's not a contract like tying us together. Like we're yeah. both happy working with each other or, or we're not going to be. Yeah. And I love the agency I just went to. And this is like why I went to them for this reason is they, they focus on what's called, they kind of coined the term relationship. Well, actually, I don't know. I think someone else might've coined the term, but um, they call it relationship marketing. And it's all on this idea of let's care for our customers more than anyone does normally, you know, um, yeah. let's care for them. Like, like friends, like a family kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. and it's just built on this whole idea of most business that people get is referral traffic. So the more that you can work on those relationships and build those relationships and just under promise basically and over deliver for everything, that's the better. Right. That's going to be. So she runs a um, social media conference. It's called social media week Lima out in the Midwest in Ohio. And she brings out speakers that are like, they're like five figure speakers that they'll get paid five figures in a day speaking. They'll do it for free and fly out. It's literally in the middle of, I've been there. I went there last year. It's like two hours from the nearest airport. Like it's so far away. And she's flying all these like speakers that are like really big speakers that have speak, spoken like social media marketing world. Um, and just because she's just so good and like, she's just has that service and just builds relationships. And the more that mm. you can focus on that too, same thing, just same thing with customers and doing all that. Just really think about the customer and put them first and it's, it's going to pay off, you know? Definitely. Yeah, another, another thing we always focus on too and always say is like, we spend your budget as if it's our own money. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think that gets lost in a lot of agencies where like they hear they have a certain budget and they'll just spend it no matter how good the CAC is or how bad it is. Like yeah. that budget being spent, if you said you had a hundred thousand dollars to spend, Whereas like something we always say is like, we're not going to like, even if you tell us you've got 150,000 to spend, like if things aren't going well, we're not just going to spend yeah. for this. Like, we'll we'll treat it as if it was our money. Yeah. And the agencies are tough to run, you know, because so many people have been screwed over by agencies and um, I, don't, I feel like not enough people talk about it, but it's such a big like elephant in the room where like so many people are hesitant working with agencies. So the more, that you can do and say things like that. And just like you said too, with like no commitment and stuff, the more that you can do that up front, the more they're just gonna be like, Oh, okay. Like let's give them a chance. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's for, just, yeah. For so long, like people have so many people have been burned by agencies that like a lot of the time we don't even like to call ourselves an agency. Yeah. Because it just like sparks something bad in people's head when it's like, Oh no, an agency, 
Um, they're going to be taking like a percentage of my spend and they're going to be locking me in and they're going to be doing this. And we're like, no, no, no. Like that's why we don't consider ourselves an agency. We're not like, we don't do any of those things. We know what you get burned. burned. Yeah. Yeah. And there's Um, some people um, that, that say, you know, instead of a client, this is our, we're partners. This, you know, that can just kind of switching just the words that you use getting into like psychology and what you can do there of just approaching it differently where, yeah, we're not, we're not like a level above or below you or whatever. It's like, we're in this together. Your money's our money. We're, we're both going to win or we're both going to lose kind of thing. Exactly. Lose, though. <laughs> and, and also like when you said, when you're kind of talking to a customer for the first time and like, maybe they don't work with you right away. Like what we've been doing recently is like video pitches um, to people. And essentially like it, we're trying to give them a value add. We're going through like the ads library and we're kind of trying to mm-hmm. pick out their ads and be like, Hey, this is what we do. By all means, implement it yourself. We could even hop on a call with your team for like 15 minutes and just go over the strategy. And then from there, you never know what could spawn. Like I've had uh, clients come from Twitter now. Like it's just, it's crazy. I never thought that would happen in my (laughs) lifetime. I'm like, oh, I got somebody randomly coming from Twitter. This is sick. So like this, this is also why I started the media buyer's manual. You just get yourself out there more and then stuff like that happens. And like, it's just unreal that like, um, you can really have, if you care, like you said, it just goes a long way in somebody's mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like, you know, moving people from no like to trust and then working with you. Um, and yeah, the more like, and that's the thing that's funny too, where with a lot of people that haven't done a lot of social media marketing, they're just like afraid to give their best secrets away. But you look at like DTC Twitter and literally everyone's like, this is exactly what I'm doing. This is what's working. Exactly. Try this out. And like, don't really worry about people stealing your stuff. I mean, it's, it's probably going to happen if you're doing it right anyway. Um, if your copy's good, they're going to probably steal it. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> um, but it's like, I, you can come up with more ideas and you're good. You're going to be the guy if you can keep doing what you're doing, it's going to show. And you have to think about the clients too. And they're going to see the value that you're providing and then want to work with you more. Or there's a lot of people, I just um, was watching a live stream. I, I'm like a big marketing neural. Um, so I just watched a live stream with, um, TubeBuddy, which is like a YouTube integration uh, platform. Yeah. They had a guy, um, Roger Wakefield, who's like, uh, a plumber that went to social media marketing world and started doing videos on his local plumbing business. Right. Cool. And all these plumbers are like, you're going to like ruin our, our business, you know, because you're giving away like how to do plumbing and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, no, not really. I mean, sure. Some people are going to be able to find out like how they can fix their toilet or their water heater or whatever. But most people, and like with ads, when you put out your methods and everything, most people that are clients are going to see that and be like, this is way too complicated. I do not want to do this. And then they're going to reach out and help you out and or, or reach out for the work, you know? Um, so yeah. And, uh, DTC Twitter says it like all the time too, where it's just like, there's so much work out there too. Like it's, it's not yeah. a big deal. Just keep doing really good work and, and keep getting better. Um, and that's the thing with ads too. Like it changes so much. I tell people like, you can try to do it, but it changes like next week, it's going to look different or something's going to be different or not working. So that's, what's so great about Twitter and these platforms is just connecting with other media buyers and being like, what's working for you? What's working for you? Sometimes it's all the same thing. Sometimes it's like, this totally different thing worked for him. I'm going to try it, you know, and see if it works. Exactly. Um, sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it does. So it's really and cool. That, and that's one of the biggest things is like just taking it and testing it and iterating based off of what somebody else may have tried. It may not always work for you, just like you said. Um, but like it's th- those value adds of like, hey, like if you're ever in a jam with an account, you could reach out to somebody like, hey, what, what's worked for you recently? And nobody is going to ever be like, no, I'm not going to tell you unless they're a yeah. huge D-bag. 
but <laughs> that is very rare on yeah. Twitter. Like from everybody that yeah. I've kind of interacted with, everybody's so willing to help. And like, yeah. that's also why, like, I, I love interacting with people like yourself that are always putting out questions and posing um, different kind of thought processes on people. And like, it's been unreal to have, like, I followed you for like, what, seven days. And like, I've already learned so much different stuff. And um, to be honest, um, I just kind of wanted to go over one more thing of um, like your onboarding process. When you're like you, like you said, with your kind of research method, is that the very first thing that you're doing? What are you looking at in terms of onboarding a client with? Yeah, um, before onboarding, sort of, I consider it the prospecting phase, I'll just touch on, but just looking there, if there's any red flags, that's kind of the first thing, like just yeah. seeing like, are these people someone that's gonna trust me in my judgment? Are they gonna to want to, I'm like a guy that when I'm coming, you know, and writing um, different headlines and ideas for creative too. I like to do outside the box stuff because that's what gets attention and gets things like on that. I don't I hate to say viral because it's like a thing that people are like maybe a viral video, like no, it moves not the quite needle there, though. But, but yeah, it gets people's attention. It gets people talking, it gets them sharing your brand and for like prospecting. It's just so nice to get like a business that's so down for like this thing's trending. Let's try an angle on it. Like I think of like aviation gin, like right away, like them just jumping on like the Peloton thing and everything that you can do, you know? Yeah. So I, I try to look for a business that's not going to second guess everything that I say. And that's like willing to run with a lot of different ideas often too. you know, trying different ad angles, even if they are far, if, if they're too far out of the way, I'll, I'll be like, Hey, can you look this over? Just make sure I, I can run it, you know? Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of that, like looking at that, looking at, is there, you know, is the product selling right now organically? Um, because if it's not, there's going to be a lot more work we have to put in, like maybe your brand identity, maybe just your website, maybe how you're even posting online. We like that there is just making the client 10 times harder to work with yeah. than if they have something that's working already. Right. Um, so that there, and then looking at, um, webs, uh, you know, the audience sizes. So like website visitors, what do you have? What do you have for email lists? Um, how many people have bought from you? Um, what's the lifetime value? What's the average order value? All those kind of stats, um, that you can get. Um, and then when it comes to onboarding, um, yeah, it's, I'm all over the place, but it's definitely like diving into, yeah, looking at the website and how it's functioning. If there's anything that I can, there's usually something I can find there and be like, we should fix this and streamline it a little bit more. Um, it's looking at just even the product pages and everything too, and optimizing those and making sure they're good. So it's kind of auditing everything, auditing the ad account, auditing, um, the website, um, and simultaneously mixing it however I want to based on my mood of doing all that research and yeah. diving into that um, and then kind of setting up remarketing campaigns and then going from there with the research, putting that into creative ideas, brainstorming feedback, um, starting to roll out those campaigns kind of middle and top of funnel there. And then, okay. yeah, <laughs> that's mainly onboarding. No, and then asking enough. a million questions <laughs> about everything. Like what are your business goals? What, you know, what are you trying to achieve? Um, you know um, what, what do you want the communication to be like? Cause people have different methods. What kind of um, KPIs and metrics might they want? So that was um, going to be a question I was just going to bring up for you um, in terms of performance marketing. This is something you also posed <laughs> for a question yesterday. Yeah. And I said that we would get to this today. Um, we use CAC as our main kind of performance metric. Yeah. Um, what are you looking for? Are you using ROAS CAC? Um, are you blending them together? Um, I just kind of want to get your opinion on this. Yeah, I'm in a weird case now since I joined that agency. Um, so they're like, 
way more focused on websites organic and the ads is like an add-on so it's not really even like touching that but dealing okay. with talking with friends and and consulting and going forward with people that i'm working with kind of advising and stuff i'm looking at what they're doing and what makes sense and what doesn't make sense because you know i have people saying you know just hearing about like oh we do it based on roas and i'm just thinking more like well when you get to spending like a hundred thousand five hundred thousand plus a month a million more a month your ROAS dips quite a bit. It's like one point, whatever it might be. And that's mm -hmm. not going to work. Like you're not going to be optimizing for profit necessarily then when it, it's more of a volume play then where your ROAS is, is slower, but you're or lower, but then you're selling more product volume, still, yeah, so your yeah. profit's still there. Um, so yeah, I really like um, the CAC, uh, looking at CAC um, as well as probably spend and doing sort of a, you know, you're dropping your, your percent of, um, your retainer fee based on uh, what their spend is, you know, so if it goes up, it, you're, it drops a little bit down. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I love that more. Um, I don't really like the fixed base retainers. I've worked at other agencies that have had that, you know, and then when you get to going to like a million and spend, it's so much work. It's like a full-time job, you know, um, and just thinking about all the new creative you're going to need and feedback and testing. Um, it's like, no. Um, <laughs> so definitely have like, I think definitely having some sort of, um, scaling spend based on the uh or sorry scaling fee based on the spend um mm -hmm. coupled with a cac type deal where yeah we know this cac and we're just going to kind of scale up as much as we can um as long as we're kind of hitting that or under that fair yeah so like we have we have one uh one company that we work with where like it's very heavily based on cac um and we use metrics we have like an assessment within um this kind of vertical once i hit the landing page um, it's for like a medical kind of company. Um, so once they hit the lander, they're get, they're signing up, they go through the assessment. And then from there, we find that typically like the cold prospecting, they won't convert, they won't finish the assessment right away. Um, and then in terms of that, we have to like kind of blend CAC from top of funnel to middle of funnel to bottom of funnel. And then across numerous different kind of advertising as well as organic um, so would you say that we should just kind of do CAC based on each channel or CAC blended across the channels themselves uh, together? Um, that's a good question. I would, hmm. So I, I, I don't know how publicly he has this, but um, I know Nick Shackelford has like a pretty nice spreadsheet that kind of breaks down um, what you should spend per like initiate checkout and per add to cart based on all of your previous metrics. Mm -hmm. if he's willing to give that out to you i would take that and run with it and then be able to yeah break that down to where that first maybe the landing page is one level to it you know and yeah. then when they fill out the form sorry i don't know all the steps but yeah no worries. yeah try to break that out and then that will kind of tell you based on whatever roas or whatever you want to do what that should be at each level um based on kind of the history and what that looks like um yeah, it is crazy changes <laughs> for company to company too you know like some people yep. you'll have a 30 dollar product some people it'll be a hundred and thirty dollar product, and obviously yeah. you'll, you'll the threshold for an add to cart is going to be a lot higher for that hundred ninety dollar product than it is a thirty dollar one. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I love anything that's over a hundred dollars. I'm like, yep, I can get you good rust. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just changes so much um, to to an extent, though. If it's a complicated product, then yeah, it could still be pretty hard. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, don't go so well anymore, do they? Yeah, the no. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, Savannah talks a lot more with the lower, like bringing it to Snapchat. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I know like that water bottle company I'm working with, I'm like, I should probably bring that to Snapchat because it is lower. Um, 
yeah, I want to test it more. <laughs> what other channels are you on? Sorry. Go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, we've never really found great success on Snapchat. We get tons of cheap traffic, tons of, tons mm-hmm. of swipe ups, tons of people going, but like the conversion rate is so much lower always. And we've probably done it for like over a handful of different companies and found the exact mm-hmm. same thing every time. Yeah. I, I haven't used it enough. Sadly, I want to start um, just because I've heard good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't speak on it um, too much, which, which sucks. I wish I could. Um, but yeah, I definitely want to dive into it. I use like way back in the day, kind of when I got into advertising, I did a geo totally like not relevant, but a geo targeted ad, you know, a little filter ad yeah, on yeah. the 4th of July. And I think I spent like five bucks and reached like 35,000 people for, I was doing music and it was like a promotion for my album and it was like a little filter. I was like, that was sweet and cheap. And you can, that's like a really cool thing. Like that not a lot of people are using, but something that you can target a big popular event and pay like five bucks and just hit so many eyeballs there. Exactly. Um, sort of, I yeah, actually, cool. <laughs> I actually used to work in an ax throwing company. I've probably said this in every fucking episode, but um, essentially like I worked there and every night there'd probably be, or, or every weekend there'd probably be like 200 to 250 people there. And I would always just set up a geofence around the whole parking lot and inside the building. And it's like 18 to 30 year old people. And they're always just using the Snapchat filter. And next yeah. thing you know, organically, <laughs> I didn't even have to pay for like more than $7, but I'm getting like, crazy cpms and i'm having pretty much influencer marketing go on but just through a goddamn geo filter so like yeah. that's something for local <laughs> businesses like i don't now obviously it's a little bit more complicated um but if you have like events and stuff like that like those filters are massive for getting organic impressions yeah. for those younger audiences yeah and even if they're not your events you can put them somewhere they were can hijack event, it. and that's like what i did i i put one right around the space needle on fourth of july and that's what <laughs> what the one was that just hit tens of thousands of people for like five bucks. I was like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But, um, other platforms, I'm mainly on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm on Google a little bit. I don't like to touch it as much. It's just a different, you know, I really like Facebook and Instagram, but mm-hmm. I, I hate the reliability of it too. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to dive more into Snapchat. Um, I have the pixel installed on a few sites. I just need to start um, setting up campaigns there and getting people to approve spending and kind of going more omni-channel with it all. Um, at other agencies I worked with, we did Google um, and YouTube and shopping and all that, but we had another team basically that did that and they were like crazy geniuses. Um, <laughs> so I didn't deal with it as much. Um, but yeah, Google ads, I'm just not as passionate about just because they're so, I do them, but they're. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes like I've, I've talked to Adam about this because Adam's, um, pretty good with google ads as well yeah a big google guy adam is so usually i'd ask him like how do you really determine um choosing the channel of going to google or going to facebook um and do you have an opinion on that tony like how do you kind of make sure like you go Mm. about testing those properly and not just being like yeah let's go to facebook um yeah i don't know if i'm like the best like i said like with my experience to answer this well um yeah i would think I've, I've, cause I've recently got back into Google for these kind of local clients. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's, it's the client might prefer one thing over the other too. Um, and then Google, a lot of times it's, it's more search based, you know, so it's more bottom of funnel, middle of funnel. Type High stuff intent. Where, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I think of, yeah, prospecting, growing an audience, I think way more of Facebook and Instagram. And then when I'm thinking of if I want to hit, I think local too, a lot of times it's like, 
Facebook, yeah, it's good for, you can kind of get the awareness going and be that local celebrity, which a lot of people do, which I think is really cool too. Mm -hmm. um, but then for that high intent, like let's get a local plumber for that past example that I used or whatever, then boom, a Google ad like makes a lot of sense there. Um, yeah, I, I always go by if you're, if you're like solving a problem, Google yeah. is the spot to be. If you've got like a solution to a problem, that's it. If you've yeah. got a product like your water bottles, for example, that's kind of something that's like cool. People are going to stumble across and like um, and purchase, not so much searching out a solution for where to hold my water. And then they come yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so true. And then also, Adam, I just have one question for you. Um, when you're going about like starting a account, what are the first kind of campaigns you're putting up in Google? Uh, Google, there's prop, there's maybe three or four that I always start with. Um, a brand defense campaign off the mm -hmm. bat always has to happen. Uh, competitor campaign always has to happen. Um, just like with your competitors brand names. And yeah. a lot of the times I find huge wins on those. Like those are where, where a lot will come in because it's not many other people are bidding on those other on even not their own brand name. A lot of people just mistake and don't do it. Um, and then I all, I have these other two. So brand, your own brand, your competitor brands. And then I like to do one I call direct, um, which is if you're selling a water bottle, for example, it's like buy water bottle online, buy water mm -hmm. bottles, so like very direct mm -hmm. keywords, exactly what you would be searching if you're going to do it. And then another one that I call like the peripheral campaign. So it's, it would be like, um, best water bottle to buy or like where to buy a water bottle online. Mm -hmm. So it's like still, still along the lines, but more like a question they'd be typing into Google. More in the research and discovery kind of phase, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. But in there you can still win though. Like it doesn't seem like it would, it would be as good, but within those campaigns, you can get long tail keywords. You can get like a four or five or even six keyword phrase mm -hmm. that you're going to get a lower cost on because you've just typed in like, what is the best spot to buy green water bottles online? You know, like yeah, it's just nice. an insane sentence that no one else is going to bid on, but <laughs> directly related to you. Yeah. Yeah. Love so it. those would yeah. be, those would be the four direct peripheral brand. competitor. Okay. And that's going to be a great kind of finishing point for this. Um, Tony, we're just going to give you a little brief chance to plug anything that you want before the end of the episode. Um, but we would like to thank you for coming on. We would definitely love to have you on in the future. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And yeah, if you want to connect with me online, I'm everywhere. It makes it super easy at Tony does ads. Um, and then my website's Tony If you want to book a consulting session there, learn more. Unreal. Cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Adam, do you have anything you want to plug? No, thanks to me. <laughs> All right, thanks. Yeah, nice to meet you guys. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And that is the end of the episode.